Sound. Sound. Music. Acoustic. Noise. Sound. I have a favorite sound, I think. Sounds. Ultrasonic. How they listen. Just a little boop. The one place where it sounds the best. You're listening to sound. Sound matters. <laughs> Here's a sound you don't hear very often anymore. This is the sound of a big, old 35mm film projector. The kind they use, or at least used to use until fairly recently in all cinemas. Usually you don't hear it unless you're in the projection booth up above the audience. It's a sound you're not supposed to hear, really, when you see a movie. But it's here to help spark your imagination. Because in this edition of Sound Matters, you need to put yourself in a cinematic frame of mind. So, get comfortable in your seat. Take that first handful of popcorn and let the movie begin. My name is Tim Hinman and this is Sound Matters, a podcast about sound, listening and things that matter. In this edition, I'm meeting two exponents of sound in movies. One of them makes this sort of sound. And he says this sort of thing about it. Doing sound for movies is like uh, an amazingly creative thing because you're such a big part of the storytelling. The other makes an altogether different sound for movies, and he does it using nothing more than a piano. I think the main job of the piano with silent film is to shut out the present day. And so the, movie, the audience is only thinking about what they're watching in the movie, no matter how old that movie may be. Both of them want to control how you feel. They want to control how you react. And they want to control how you see the movie on the screen in front of you. We're going to start in Copenhagen, Denmark, in the mixing studios of film sound designer Peter Albrechtson. My name is uh, Peter Albrechtson. I make sounds for movies. I met Peter in his sound studio as he was putting the finishing touches to a horror movie. This is um, a Danish zombie movie, Danish horror movie called What We Become. So I should warn you at this point that there may well be a zombie along shortly. Not a real one. This is a movie, after all. But nonetheless, when you hear it, it will make you jump. You will believe in it for just long enough to scare you just a little bit. And that is precisely what Peter spends his life trying to achieve. Making you believe what you see on the screen. You can create the whole vibe, the whole atmosphere, the whole intensity, the whole energy of the movie through the sound. Good sound definitely makes the movie look better. I mean, a lot of the directors that often in the media are called like visual, they, they make visual poetry. I mean, a lot of them are really, of course, they make beautiful visuals, but they also really make beautiful, evocative sounds, which makes the visuals really stand out. It's a lot of fun doing horror movies. It's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun, because 
the sound is so important to get this kind of like physical impact of the horror and the intensity and the atmosphere. And it was actually pretty interesting because the movie, they started doing the picture editing before I had done some proper sound effects. And then they sent it off to an investor and they were like, what is this movie? This is terrible. What is going on? And then I told the director, well, of course they can't see the film because we need some sounds to tell the story. So uh, then we spent two weeks really adding on a lot of sounds for all these different horror sequences. And then it kind of went from being a disaster to like being almost led into Cannes Film Festival. So it just goes to show that, I mean, in a movie like this, sound is extremely important. Okay, that's enough zombies for now. Time, as they say, for something completely different. Once upon a time, films didn't have sound. But back then, there was musical accompaniment to silent films. Something that musician and composer Neil Brand has brought back to life. I'm Neil Brand. I'm a composer, a writer, broadcaster, and I specialize in writing music and playing music, improvising music for early film. Now, where Peter Albrechtson is surrounded by banks of computers and high-tech, and we'll get back to him in just a while, Neil Brand needs nothing more than a piano. If the music that they're hearing feels like it's being generated by the film rather than by the piano player, you have got a world in which they can exist. And I tend to find when I'm playing that to begin with, particularly audiences who haven't seen silent film with live music before, tend to be slightly resistant. So it takes a while for them to kind of click into the idea that the music is all there is. But then once they do that, you can manipulate how they take a movie, how they listen, and what specifically they're listening to. Movies are all about suggestion, all about making you believe something that isn't true, basically. Sound and music in movies are there to enforce that disbelief. If there is no sound there, then you believe in nothing and you don't enjoy the movie. Simple as that. But it operates on a level that's somehow subconscious. It operates on a level that goes beneath what we think we're perceiving and affects us directly and emotionally. Sound and music as a way of tricking your eyes into believing something that isn't really there. I have a six-and-a-half-year-old son who is already about as intelligent about what the music is doing to him with films and TV as anybody will ever be, simply because he's used to it now and he knows when the music's doing a particular thing, it will be there for a reason. Even something very simple, even something as simple as this. Now, he knows that's having a particular effect on him. And if he heard that, he might go, ooh, you know. Even if he doesn't know what the music's doing, 
and certainly doesn't know why it's doing what it's doing. He knows it's doing it. And so as soon as you play something bright and cheerful... He also knows, as would anybody else, that that is somehow or other not threatening. That is full of warmth and a kind of security in a way and it's somewhere we would like to be it's the musical equivalent of a warm sunny day the musical equivalent of a lovely warm summer day it's you lying there eyes closed feel the warm sun on your skin life is good unless you're in a zombie film of course Everything is happening in this kind of normal provincial Danish city. And then when you have something that is very primal and aggressive and otherworldly put into something that you know, then it becomes frightening. I'm a horror movie fan and I've been watching a lot of zombie movies and what I feel now about zombies is that they're not really frightening. I mean, the idea of someone undead walking around is frightening, but it's not really frightening when they're just walking around ultra slow, just saying, Ugh. and often when I sit and I have all these different sounds that we recorded, then I try to kind of just use them almost like intuitively, just not thinking too much about what the sound actually is, but more what it does to you. So what the emotions and the feeling and the atmosphere of these sounds are. So I often like put the weirdest sounds together and then it kind of turns into something new. Now, as an experienced moviegoer, as I'm sure you are, you're aware that when things get used too often or done too many times, they become clichés, they become corny. And being a cliché or being corny is also a problem if you're a sound designer. It's not always easy, and it takes a lot of thinking about, as Peter Albrechtson would explain. I was really thinking about, okay, how do we kind of approach this in a way that it feels as scary as it should feel to meet an undead person <laughs> so uh, I started thinking about it like in a, a biological way like how would these zombies actually sound and one of the things that I really was into was how the body kind of decomposes and, and self-destructs in a way so that I was thinking okay all the internal organs gotta be like all weird and like placed in wrong ways and the voice must be all weird and so on so this feeling that the body was kind of falling apart while they were walking. I thought that idea would kind of make them seem very freaky and alien. Then with the voices, instead of just doing ooh, I was thinking much more like, like they haven't really got any air, so that it's much more like a, a wounded animal, almost like a... <laughs> Ha 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 ha!
So sounds like that, which are almost like the, the things in the throat are also falling apart. So um, uh, originally I had the idea that I was going to use a couple of different singers for that. I mean, some singers who were really able to experiment with their voices. But the more I thought about it, I just realized that I'm an, actually an old heavy metal singer myself. So I was thinking, okay, why not just do it myself? And then what I did was I got hold of a lot of like animal sounds with like weird breathing sounds from animals. Then I took my own voice and mixed it with these different animal breathings. It's an animal, it's something that's alive, but it, it's also a sound that we're really not used to. Hear. So then cutting that together with my own breathing made it seem like, to me at least, it seemed quite scary. Something you're not used to hearing. That really makes the ear interested in what's going on. And then it also makes you more interested in the movie because you're like, okay, what, what is this? What is this sound? It's somewhere in your head that what you see and what you hear get joined up and you believe in them. But really the sound you hear doesn't have to be the right sound. Sometimes a completely different sound can have the same effect, especially relevant if the only sound effects machine you have at your disposal is an ordinary piano. Gunshots are a nightmare for a silent film pianist because they can pull the audience right out of a film really, really quickly if you don't get them right. And somebody will be holding a gun and about to fire forever. And if it's a film you've not seen before, which in a lot of instances, in, in my case, it is, you don't know if they're going to fire and if they are going to fire, when. The only way you know they fired is you actually see this tiny puff of something coming out the barrel. I can now be sort of playing a kind of, you know... They're going to fire, they're going to fire, they're going to fire, puff, and, and I'm there quick enough to be able to catch that. That sort of thing is really what keeps the audience in the film, because if they hear a gunshot pretty much when they see a gunshot, they're still not thinking you're on a piano making that gunshot, they're thinking those gunshots are coming out the screen. Unfortunately, I never got to ask Neil Brand how he would do zombies on the piano. Perhaps luckily for Neil, there aren't so many silent zombie films around. Now it's time for an experiment. Time to get out that old movie projector again. Time for you to sit yourself down and get comfortable in a virtual velvet cinema seat. We're going to project a film on the screen inside your head. And Neil Brand is going to talk you through it. It's a real film. It's from 1925. The film is Les Miserables, based on the novel by Victor Hugo, story of injustice and poverty in Paris in the 19th century. The story of ex-convict Jean Valjean. You probably remember the musical. The original is six and a half hours long, and Neil has been known to play the entire film in one go, improvising his way through at the piano, sitting in front of the screen. Now, don't worry, we're not going to do six and a half hours here, just about five minutes. So, if you're ready, Neil is at the piano, the film is running. What you can see on the screen is the face of a young girl, very, very poor and very, very sad, and her name is Cosette. 
Cosette, sweeping the floor, obviously in rags while the other kids are well-dressed. Now, Valjean has found her in the woods and is sitting watching her being maltreated by these people. And the point at which he helps her with her sweeping and as he watches how badly treated she's been and he remembers her, her mother who he promised he would find find the girl he dashes out of the house and we think he's gone and she thinks she's alone again and she goes back to her usual place under the table And then the door opens, he comes back, and he's bought the doll. It's the doll she's looked at in the window all this time. She's seeing this doll time and again, and he walks in with it. sees it he puts it down in front of the table and she's her eyes are like saucers but she won't go to it she she snaps she, she won't touch it until he says yes it's yours she does pick it up she takes it under the table with her and starts to dress its hair so I wanted to now give this sense that that is a life-changing moment so now what she's doing and where she is she will never be as she was before she got that doll. So I do a tune that feels like it's not ever going to change. of that being that when he walks out of the place with her and starts to walk down the road with her, holding her hand, you can make that big.
<laughs> Such nice music. <laughs> well, it's that thing of, of feeling it, um, as you can hear in my th in my throat. It's it had an incredible um, effect on me. So I then try and turn that into music that sounds the way I'm feeling, and I felt like that for six and a half hours. You know, not as emotional as that, but certainly as emotionally engaged as that, which is why it becomes easy then to produce the music to fit the sound. So next time you're at the movies, don't forget to pay a little more attention to what you're hearing and not just what you're seeing. That's the end of this edition of Sound Matters. A huge thank you to sound designer Peter Albrechtson. The film is called What We Become, or at least it was at the time of making the interview, it hasn't yet come out. It's due out in 2016. The Danish title is Sorgenfri, which would be pronounced Sorgenfri. Track it down and see it, and then amaze your friends with your incredible knowledge of how the sound of the zombies was created. And of course, a huge thank you to composer and musician Neil Brand. You can find out more about his work by looking at neilbrand.com. This edition of Sound Matters was produced and written by myself, and my name is Tim Hinman. Research and interview by Andrea Rangecroft. Sound Matters is made possible due to the support of BEO Play. And you can find out much more about them by checking out their website, which is beoplayinoneword.com. Sound matters.